Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, everybody, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, Ephesians chapter 6, and if I were to give this one a title, it would be, We Might As Well Win. We're in a fight. We might as well win. We're going to be talking about spiritual victory today, as well as finishing up the conversation from yesterday on mutual submission when it comes to relationship dynamics. We're going to get all that in just a moment, but as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are on the road to 1,000. We're going to get there with your help, so make sure you do that. And I think I saw we're only about... 50% of the people who watch the YouTube channel actually are subscribed. So make sure that you were going, you were subscribing. It doesn't cost you anything, but it helps us get more discoverable in the YouTube search engines. So thank you so much for helping with us, us with that. As always, podcast listeners, you will always be my favorites, mainly to aggravate your brothers and sisters over at the YouTube channel. But thank you so much. Please be sure to leave us a five-star review. It really helps out the channel. And leave us a review. Let us know how you're engaging with God's Word. And then for all of us, we gather at the Facebook group, the Bible Breakdown Discussion. There's several hundred of us now that are meeting over there, reading those devotions every day. And it just means the world for us to do this together. Because I'm going to tell you something, the more we dig, the more we find. And that's one right here we're going to see. So if you have your Bibles ready for Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to finish this together. And this chapter is really in two parts. The first part is finishing up chapter 5, because you remember yesterday, it said we should be in mutual submission to one another. So yesterday, it talked about husbands and wives, and we talked for a long time about that. And I'm interested to hear if you had that conversation with your spouse about what we really challenged you on yesterday. But he's going to finish up with talking about children and parent dynamics, and then employee-employer dynamics that the Bible calls slaves and masters. Talk about that. And then he finishes it with how we walk in spiritual victory every day. And so we're going to talk about that, but let's dive into that together, and then we'll go forward, and we're going to finish this up, and it's going to be awesome, okay? We're in a battle. We might as well win. Let's first talk about those relationship dynamics. So if you're ready, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 says this, children. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. For if you honor your father and your mother, the Bible says, things will go well with you and you have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Now pause. First of all, What Paul is talking about in the first part is the Ten Commandments. You know, the Ten Commandments was, have no other God before me, keep the Sabbath day holy. But when it gets to honor your father and your mother, it was the first time that God's word says why you do that. Before it says, you know, just don't murder anybody. Okay, cool. (laughs) But then when it came to father and mother, it says, here's why you want to honor your father and your mother. And it's that your life may be long on the earth. So it's, it helps you live longer, right? And so Paul is saying, it's important for you as children to honor your father and your mother. But on the other side, fathers, it's important to not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. In other words, what he's saying is, is make sure that you're being fair-minded, 
that you're being even handed. You know, make sure that you're not trying to exasperate. Make sure you're not trying to go overboard with your children. And so the idea there is that there is a balance between children during this season when you obey your mom and your dad, do the best you can. As long as they don't ask you to do something against the, the word of God, obey your parents. And on the other side, parents, make sure that you're not going overboard with your kids. I think that's great wisdom. Then the Bible says this in verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. And remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Now, it is unfortunate to me that many people skip right over this because it has this five-letter word, six-letter word called slaves. Now, the reason why we skip over this is because, especially if you live in the United States of America, we have this very locked-in view of what slavery is, and it is pre-Civil War slavery in the South. That slavery was horrible. It was awful. It was terrible. I'm so glad we had a Civil War to get rid of that, right? But that is not the only form of slavery that's ever existed. Did you know, actually, in today's culture, there's more people that are in slavery than at any time in history? We don't like talking about that, but in other parts of the world, it very much exists. And many times, most of the time, it is horrible. In the New Testament time, that reality was not always the same as it is now. Back then, if you worked for somebody, you were considered their slave. Now, if you were in like a, a commerce situation where I had fruits and vegetables, and I was going to sell them to you, that was an even-handed relationship. But if I worked on your farm and got a living wage for it, I was considered your slave. So if you have a job, if you own your own business, then you are still considered a slave because you pay taxes to the United States under first century Roman kind of mentality. If you work for a company, I live in a city called Bowling Green, Kentucky, and in Bowling Green, Kentucky, we have a, a massive plant called the Corvette plant. According to first century Roman culture, everyone who works at the Corvette plant would be considered a slave to General Motors. <laughs> Some of you are going, absolutely. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. When you are an employee for a company in the first century world, the idea was slave-master relations. So this doesn't mean that if you're in a situation where you're being abused and you're owned by somebody, that you should just love it and think it's great. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about an employer-employee situation when you work for somebody, work for them as though you're working for the Lord. Isn't that super convicting? <laughs> and he says, please them all the time. In other words, if you've got a job, do it. Not just when they're watching you. <laughs> other words, don't take extra breaks. Don't try to skirt around the rules. Don't try to get to work late and try to leave work early. Instead, work with enthusiasm as though God was your foreman. <laughs> is, that, is that convicting to anybody but just me, right? Because he's saying when you do that, if you think about it, you're representing God. But then on the other side, he's saying all of you who are foremen, all of you who are, who are shift leaders, all of you who are leaders, treat those who work for you 
the same way as if God were working for you. Now, that's not the case, but saying, like, do that. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. On a personal note, I will tell you, it's because of that verse right there. Uh, I've been in work environments where I have both been an employee and I've also been a leader. And a lot of times in different environments, people will joke with, well, I'm going to quit. Or hey, they go into a meeting. Well, it's good seeing y'all. I'm going to quit. You know, and especially in a leader environment, when I'm a leader in an environment, I never play like that. I never play with someone's job. Because first of all, that's their livelihood. So I'd never do that. But then secondly, the Bible says, don't threaten them. <laughs> Remember, you, have, uh, both, uh, you both have the same master in heaven who has no favors. In other words, don't threaten people when it comes to their job. So I don't like to do that because... God's word says not to, but super convicting to re- remember that when we work, not only are we representing God, but we're working as to the Lord. Okay, now let's shift to the final word. Verse 10 says a final word. I want you to remember who Paul is talking to. Paul is talking to people in a city called Ephesus. In that city, they had the eighth wonder of the ancient world called the Temple of Artemis. It's a massive temple, and people would come from all over the world to worship this false goddess named Artemis. Very spiritually active city. So they knew the idea of angels and demons, light and dark, good and evil. And they knew that now they are on the other side of this false god. And so they're aware that there's spiritual things that's happening all over the place. And Paul doesn't shy away from it. But what he says is, is that you have the ability to walk in freedom every day. And so he uses this idea, and I almost have this mental picture. Paul's in prison in Rome, and it's almost like he's kind of going, okay, how do I describe what we as Christians look like spiritually? Spiritually, we're not victims, we're not defenseless, but man, we are mighty in God. We are ready. And he's almost like he's looking around and going, ah. This guy right here, this Roman soldier, that's exactly what we look like in the spirit. And so he starts writing down, and he's using as a metaphor the different armaments of God. So we're going to read this together and see how this is how God sees you in the spirit. And this is how you should see yourself as you walk in Christ through the world all around you. Ready? Verse 10 says this, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you might be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. In other words, he's saying the spirit world is real. It is just as real as the world that you can see. Just because you can see it, you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Think about the wind. You don't see the wind, see the effects everywhere. And he's saying they're around there, but this is who you are. And he says this, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your guard, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, and put on this salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is God's, the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and in every occasion. Stay alert and be present in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too, 
Ask God to give me the right words so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, but still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. And before we finish, I want to bring that back up. Now, a lot of people think that this is literal armor that you have to put on every day. That's, that's not what this is saying. You, you don't have to like spiritually put this on. What he's saying is, is as you take on the character of Christ, as you take on what he has done for you, you are ready to stand against the enemy. So he says, put on the helmet of salvation, which means in every day, you need to arm yourself to say, God, because of what you have done, I don't have to live in anxiety, fear, or worry because your salvation guards my mind. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate in an army did multiple things. First of all, it protected all your vital organs. Also, the crest that would be on it would identify you with what legion you were in. And just like that, the righteousness of Christ does multiple things for us. Number one, because of who Christ is and knowing who he is and taking his his salvation for ourself, it protects our vital organs spiritually. But then also, it identifies us as his that we can stand with our chest up and out because of who Christ is in us. He says to put on the belt of truth. Back then, for the armor of God, the belt actually went on first because you tucked everything else there. It was the centerpiece, the truth. And then that belt is where instead of putting medals like on your breastplate like they would do now on like a shirt, you put the medals on your belt. You put your money on your belt. You put the sword on your belt. They even had a hook where if you're going on a long march, you put your shield on your hook, on, on your on a hook on your belt. The belt was everything. And we know that the truth of God's word is the central focus of everything we do. So, so guard yourself, gird yourself with the objective truth of God in your life. So put on your feet the gospel of peace. It's the good news that I have peace with God. Because I have peace with God, no matter where I walk today, I live in peace. Because I have peace with God, therefore I can have peace with my fellow man. Then he says, put on the shield of faith, which means that when the enemy shoots lies, the the arrows of the enemy, when he he does that and he comes in, I have my faith where it needs to be. So it doesn't even get to me because I know who I am in Christ. And then he says, the sword of the spirit. Now that word sword, the Greek word is gladiolus, which is, it's different kinds of swords. And this was a short sword. It wasn't a long sword you used from a distance. This was one that you would use when the battle would get close. And so what Paul is saying is when the battle gets close, make sure you've got God's word. When it gets personal, make sure you know the promises of God so that you can walk in victory. And then what do we do? How do we use this? He says in verse 18, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. In other words, pray always. Pray with the leading of God in all situations. And so we have the ability to walk in victory every single day. Here's the last one, and we'll finish up. Verse 21, to bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I'm getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may the God and Father and the may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May the peace of God be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, 
I have loved the book of Ephesians. And I love how he ends on this crescendo. It's not like he's saying goodbye. He's saying onward. Keep going. Keep moving. And as you go, realize we're in a battle. We might as well win. Can I tell you? Remember we said when we first started this that the overall idea was God's word is encouraging us to grow and mature and become everything that God has created us to grow, mature, and become. And as we continue to do that, we're going to continue to encounter opportunities and encounter moments where we'll be able to grow. In chapter 3 and chapter 4, we learned about what that looked like to experience the love of God like never before. In chapter 4, it's saying goodbye to these broken places and these things that we medicate our sin with so that we can say yes to God. In chapter 5, in the first part of 6, it talks about our relationships and how we continue to grow and mature and then always at the end realize that we walk in spiritual victory. We're in a war. We might as well win. I want to ask you this question. Do you feel like you're winning right now? Do you feel like in life that there's battles going on? Can I tell you, we always are going to be in some form of battle. I really do believe that we're either walking into, we're experiencing, or we're just walking out of some kind of battle or storm in our life. It's just the way life goes. But here's the thing. God has the ability to use everything for your good because you've been called according to his purpose. God's got a plan for your life. And so don't give up. Fight for unity. Fight for forgiveness. And fight to win. Because Jesus has already won. Our job now is to take the ground that's already his. God's got a bigger idea for you than you may realize. God's got more confidence in you than you may have in yourself. So walk with your head up, walk with your chest out, and realize that because of who Christ is, all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, your kindness. Lord, in the days we live in, it's so easy to get discouraged, to get downhearted, or to forget about who we are in Christ. I pray that you will remind us, Lord, that you are for us and not against us, that we've never been more loved than we are right now. And even though everyone listening to this or watching this has a private battle that nobody else knows about, you know, and you want us to walk in freedom every day. I pray you'll help us to do that and to be bold and courageous in the world we live in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, one more time, God's word says in second, uh, excuse me, in Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. And he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I have loved Ephesians. I hope you loved it as much as I have. And I can't wait to see you tomorrow. We're going back to the Old Testament for 1 Kings chapter 1.